0: Sox. White Sox! White socks, Go! 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 Call your sons! Call your daughters! Holy cow! You can't put it on the
1: board! Yes! It's a perfect game! And Grand slam! A White Sox
0: winner and a world championship! Jimenez, he's your hero tonight! Thanks, Cubs!
2: The dynamic duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Sano. Those two are like a tag team, you know? Hi, this is Jim Tomey, and the best White Sox talk is on Locked On Sox Podcast with Tanny and, Herb.
1: Tanny and Herb. Hello, and welcome back to Locked On Sox. After a disappointing but also good game today where the Sox fall to the Cubs 2-1. to you I mean, you Darvish is ridiculous. But joining me as always, my name is Herb Lawrence, is Chris Tannehill. Chris how you feeling after that weekend series with the Cubs?
2: I can't take it, man. That's too much stress in my life that I thought it was gone. I thought baseball would bring a nice calming presence to my life, but as, you know, if you would have seen me down here in that ninth inning, uh, you know, with bases loaded and two outs, like I was on my feet watching that game, man. But it was, it was just, it was great to see. It, you know, it, the Sox surprised me on so many levels. You know, obviously, you know, we'll we'll get into Jose Abreu a little bit, maybe later on in the week or during the mailbag segment, but how great was he and just to have Dylan C's show up today and Darvish was just a little bit better, but you know, things could not have gone better. You would love to have that sweep right there in that situation, and they almost had it. They you know, one big hit away from having it. But just talk about a tense game with with lots of action and, and great pitching performances and some timely hits and just what a weekend it was, man! And the Sox certainly surprised me because we talked about it on uh, Wednesday's episode or Thursday's episode. Uh, we were predicting the Cubs would take two or three, and it, you know the the Sox just hammered. Uh, uh, obviously, John Lester on Friday is what we predicted, and then mm-hmm. Saturday the, the the surprise with the Kyle Hendricks start—they them batting him around a little bit—and it's a fun weekend to see. I think if you're a White Sox fan, you look at that series and you think, man. Now we have something to work with here. Now I could see this team playing deep into October and I could see this team going up against anyone they, you know, in the American League if if they're going to hit home runs like that and you know maybe we can have the debate at a later time about situational hitting and manufacturing runs because that would have helped them a little bit today, but if they're going to hit the ball out of the ballpark like they did Friday and Saturday, this is going to be a team that's going to be really fun to watch the rest of the season here and you have to think nothing but good things if you're a White Sox fan
1: right now. It was a great weekend. They lead the league right now in slugging. And it's good to see after all those years of just hitters that you would get a couple home run hitters, but not a consistent lineup where one through nine, you're in trouble. Danny Mendick, too, or Medwick Electric
2: electric Boogaloo.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he he could take your ass out like he did with John Lester on Friday. So it's very encouraging, and not just because it's Cubs, and I know our audience, and we play to them a little bit. Cubs-Sox thing, we understand it. And beating them makes you feel better about yourself as a White Sox fan. I think it should make you feel better because the Cubs are actually a good team. They're a really, really good team. And a little bit later, we'll be talking to the guys from Locked On Cubs about their team and what they expect from the Cubs going on further and what they thought to happen this weekend over at Wrigley. But Cubs are a good team, and to take them down two out of three games and with a chance to sweep them, I feel nothing but encouraged, especially with the schedule coming up where we got the Pirates, we got the Royals, Twins coming up, and then a bunch of bums. Royals again, Tigers again, and let's eat. So that's what I'm feeling really energized that the White Sox went on a seven game winning streak, hit. What, how many home runs in seven games? 27 home runs in seven games. 28 if you call it today. So 28 in eight games. That's very encouraging to see. And I don't want you out there poo-pooing home runs. Do not. Home runs are good. <laughs> we could be better situational hitting, but when they get a lot of home runs don't say oh they're uh, relying on the home run people
2: go back and look at 2005 and you can say all you want about Ozzie ball and small ball and manufacturing runs but look at how they scored most of their big runs that year it was it was the long balls cuz you had paul Canerco, Jermaine Dye Joe Creedy those guys you know right thomas
1: for 12 games exactly with so her 12 home runs yeah
2: so Like we said, ball go far, team go far. It's just, it's what it is. Sometimes you live by it, sometimes you die by it. But this weekend, they certainly live by it. And that Cubs team, that's a team that's been through this. They've been through the wars, man. They know what's coming. So when they see a team like the Sox coming in, they, you know, it's like looking at a a baseball mirror. They're like, they remember what it was like when they were on their way up. So they know they were ready to match the intensity. You know, they, they weren't ready to lay down for the White Sox just because. And, you know, that the Sox were right there with them, man. You have to be encouraged. You know, you saw the best three pitchers in the Cubs rotation, and you gave it to them two out of the three days, and you were on par with them at every facet of the game. So you have to be nothing but encouraged. But I'm wondering, on the flip side of that, how do Cubs fans feel about their team? Are, are they more encouraged? Uh, are they discouraged after seeing what they saw this weekend? So right now we're going to bring in our guys from Locked On Cubs.
1: Joining us now, the folks over there at Locked On Cubs. Follow them individually. Sean Sears on Twitter and also Ryan Davis. The folks at Locked On Cubs for a great conversation about this weekend series. Fellas, how are you doing over there? Good.
0: Ah. I've had had better weekends, I've had
1: worse weekends (laughs) I mean, the good thing is, the Cubs are still in first place Because of the terrible division you're in And the great playing you've done before this series We at Locked on Sox, you know, we respect the Cubs We're not haters as typical Sox fans might be (laughs) But we want to know just what your thoughts overall on the Cubs this weekend coming in they were you know not playing great they had beaten uh, they had beaten the St. Louis Cardinals three games to two and I thought before the series it's going to be a nice litmus test for the White Sox what do you guys think the Cubs did this weekend would you like would you hate
3: I hated uh, the bullpen the bullpen <laughs> typically uh, is the problem for the Cubs it has been for about a, a year and a half two years and uh, things that I liked, um, the starting pitching. Uh, I think that's the obvious. you Darvish, I think, might be running away at this point in the season with the Cy Young vote. That could obviously change, but he's been absolutely outstanding. So uh, the offense has been really inconsistent for a couple years, and it looked like early on that was changing because they kind of had everybody clicking all at once through that 13-3 start, but since then, you know, Chris Bryant hurt his wrist, but even before that, he wasn't hitting well. Baez isn't hitting well. Uh, Contreras, Rizzo's been you know, kind of hot and cold. Schwarber until today really hadn't slugged at all. So it, it's been really frustrating. And although they had that great start, the Cubs just kind of still look like that 2019 team.
0: That's kind of where I was at, too. I mean, obviously, the bullpen's been an issue, like Ryan said, for a while. But we'd seen it get a little bit better through the month of August. So we were kind of hoping for maybe some... Better production, that didn't quite happen. That John Lester game was brutal. Uh, <laughs> it was tough to see Lester. I mean, I think everyone kind of knew that regression was coming and uh, the lineup like the Sox and just annihilate lefties, that was kind of scary. So um, seeing Lester kind of come down to earth and then kind of crash a little bit was not fun. But um, offensively, I think that's really where it's the most frustrating. You see the Cubs get guys and runners in scoring position and just continue to fail to score. They did it today too on Sunday grounding into a double play with you know bases loaded again it's tough to watch some of that so offensively there's a lot of things that we're I think hoping for better results because we saw that do so well at the beginning of the season so
3: this is something that I think when teams watch the Cubs they don't quite get the same grasp that Cubs fans do because we watch you know the team more consistently but Sean would you say that in the last week or nine days the Cubs have grounded into about twelve or no, I'm sorry, grounded into, but had twelve or thirteen instances where they had the bases loaded but didn't score.
0: Yeah, it's like getting the where I'm, I'm frustrated to see the Cubs load the bases up. Like I, I just, I know they just aren't putting the ball in the air very often, so they're just smashing balls into the ground. So these double play balls have just been killers, and it's been like every series since they were facing the Brewers last weekend.
3: Yeah, it's it's probably been it's probably been at least a week where they've consistently. Loaded the bases, but just didn't score, and that's like it, it's it's almost like extremely fluky at this point because typically players bat better with the bases loaded.
2: Yeah, that's sort of symptomatic of when your team's not going well. I, I think Sox fans can relate to that. It seems like you have endless opportunities, but never cash in on any of them. And you know, when I look at the, the the current Cubs roster and and going into the the weekend series, there was a lot of talk about Tim Anderson, Javi Baez, you know, the the shortstops of Chicago and this mm-hmm. and that. But when when you watch Javi Baez, you know, I, I don't check in a lot on on the, on the Cubs, you know, with the Sox doing so well. But the, the Javi Baez thing, it's you know, it's so far this year has been pretty disappointing. And I'm just wondering, do you think is he dealing with, with some injuries or he just doesn't seem like the same Javi out there? I know he turned on one late in the game, uh that you like to see he tacked the first pitch fastball, I think it was. But overall, Javi Baez is a big part of what the Cubs do, and so far in twenty twenty, not so good for Javi.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I've I I think what I've seen a lot with Javi. Javi's really frustrated at bats. It feels like he really wants to smash the bat on the ground when he comes away from the box and like uncharacteristically, like staring at strike three, like the, the big issue for Javi used to be, he swung too much. And I know the numbers are shown this year, at least he's swinging less outside the zone. So you would think that would mean like more patient at bats, doing more damage on pitch pitches in the zone, but he's just missing them. Like it just comes down to, he doesn't it's either not seeing the zone well on top of, I think there's maybe a little bit of a mental aspect of maybe batting third or, you know, coming behind guys like with Brian Rizzo getting on base to deliver. He's that RBI guy now. I, I don't know. None of that stuff seemed to be issues with Javi, but like you have to wonder like what's going on because he doesn't seem to be hurt. I know there was the heel issue he had last year and that's kind of where everyone's like, he hasn't hit well since then. So maybe there's something lingering there, but I, I don't know. It just seems like he's just not himself, even in the batter's
3: box. I have a theory and I don't I don't know if it's true or not. I know early on in his career. <laughs> That's what we do. We uh, speculate. That's um, we're all yeah, for it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's yeah. Who knows? It could be a crackpot theory, but it could be true. You just never know with hobby. The um, early on in his career, the, one of his biggest problems and biggest barriers to success was his pitch recognition. You know, you'd see him just badly outguessed on, you know, it, it's a breaking pitch that lands in the left-handed batter's box and he's swinging like it's going to be a fastball he just was not recognizing pitches just basically swinging from his heels and it got a lot better and that's when it resulted in what you saw in 2018 and to a lesser degree in 2019 when he was you know an all-star MVP candidate Uh, this year and, and in other stretches when he struggled he starts to do it again he starts to just not know what's coming and get outgassed like he's just guessing on every single pitch and like Sean said it's either looking at strike three kind of right down the middle on a fastball when he might be was maybe was expecting a breaking pitch or you know uh swinging at a pitch that's way out of the zone it it's been that kind of inconsistency inc- inconsistency that has been his problem
1: yeah and I think the one thing Cub fans can take solace in is you spoke on it earlier Bryant's not hitting Rizzo's not hitting Javi's not hitting Contreras not hitting and Schwarber's not hitting. The only person I see in the everyday lineup with an OPS over 800 is Hap, and that's a surprise. So yeah. being 17 yeah. and, what, 17 and 10 now, first place in the NL Central, you got to take Solace in, like, yeah, we're pitching very well, and the bullpen's struggling, and whatever that Craig Kimbrell thing was today where he's <laughs> dominant for two and then off the tracks for all the rest of it. This team is an enigma but still, they're one of the best teams in the National League without being at the top of their powers.
3: Yeah, and you know something, Sean and I were talking about before is that thirteen and three start really helps you because it, even in this poor stretch, they've won uh, four of their last seven. So uh, they've not been scoring offensively. They've not been uh, really ha- having great bullpen performances in this you know stretch for the last week plus. Um, but they've kind of been maintaining. You know, like you said, still 17 and 10. And what I was saying because of the short season is all they need is one more hot stretch, one more time where the through where the offense really clicks for, let's say, 10, 15 games. And if they can do something like, you know, 10 and three or uh, 14 and six over a stretch, it won't matter what they do in the rest of the games. That'll be good enough because of that 13 and three start. I mean, it's coming yeah.
1: up right here. You guys got some games versus the Tigers, which the White Sox saw and got fed. It was delicious. It was awesome. And then the <laughs> Reds. I mean, I thought they were going to be good this year, but so far the Reds are a major disappointment salute. And then the Pirates right after that. So if the Cubs are going to get healthy and get fed, this is the stretch they got to they gotta do it right here. Yeah,
0: yeah. It definitely doesn't get easier from here on out. So you got to take advantage of those teams when you got them. But – yeah, hopefully health is the biggest concern. I think right now with this team, like Chris Bryant needs to get healthy. They're finally getting Jose Quintana back. Who knows if that's a positive or negative. Chatwood's on the aisle right now too, and that was kind of a question mark. And probably as Ryan and I have talked about the answer to like some of the bullpen issues is maybe sliding Chatwood down there. Um, but you got to kind of answer those questions while also winning baseball. So hopefully the Cubs can do that against some pretty weaker teams coming up here.
2: Dylan Seas was pretty good today. He wasn't as good as Darvish. But I'm wondering, just from a Cub fan perspective, what do you think is going through Cubs fans' minds when they see Dylan C's out there? We, we know about uh, the all the, the stuff that comes along when you have the Eloy conversation, but you don't hear a lot about Dylan C's And he kind of had his, like, that was his big boy moment today out there where yeah. we, we didn't peg him to do much today. We thought he was going to be amped up, and he, and he looked like he was early, but he got out of some first-inning trouble but how do you guys sort of reconcile, you know, seeing the Dylan Cease part of it, uh, you, you know, play out in front of your eyes today, and especially considering the the Cubs' lack of of, of producing. You know, pitching talent and Dwayne Underwood. I think has the most strikeouts. You know, for, for any Cubs pitching prospect, and he looked damn good the other night too. But how do you guys yeah. sort of reconcile the whole Dylan C's part of uh, part of that uh, of that trade? Is that something that you know maybe we're putting too much into it because we follow the Sox and we like to rub it in, or or or, is, <laughs> or when you see Dylan C's out there, I'm like, yeah, that's a guy that we could probably use for you know uh, the next five to ten years. <laughs> yeah
3: um and for me i i was big on the dylan C's bandwagon early on he uh i saw him pitch uh, in the midwest league at single a um, in peoria and i interviewed him uh, after the game and what a really intelligent guy who really knew what he was doing even back then when he was maybe 20 years old um you know he looked good but he was wild and just couldn't repeat his command uh, his mechanics at the time um still working on his curveball, and, you know, just really couldn't throw it for strikes, uh, but the talent was obvious. And so for me uh, that really hurts uh, probably more than Eloy Jimenez because uh, the Cubs, you know, if they had him, that would be great because he's a great player, but really what they needed to develop was a pitcher and they did, they just traded him to the White Sox. But the reaction that you're, you're not seeing among Cubs fans, I think is, Probably in large part, maybe Sean can tell me if he feels the same way. It's probably in large part because Cubs fans already kind of know they lost that trade, <laughs> and that, and that you know, Eloy was the guy, right? Like he was the yeah. first one to arrive, and ever that that really sticks in every Cubs fan's craw is that part of it. I think by the time Dylan Cease really arrived, we're all just kind of resigned to, yeah, this sucks.
0: yeah I can I can attest to it yeah we we kind of knew we lost that trade about a year and a half in it was pretty clear obviously Aloy was going to be a stud um, but Cease is an interesting like part of that whole deal because like Ryan said, he he would have solved a lot of issues for the Cubs, but he was also like the only pitching prospect. We really knew a ton about for a really long time. And he was a guy that I remember reading like a ton of random things on like Cubs den about him and how his hand size was growing. And I remember like thinking to myself like, God, I've never like read this much about a pitcher before. So we were just super excited about him. So I'm glad he's doing well. Yeah. Today's start was awesome. That was a huge step for cease, but yeah, it, it sucks because they would have been awesome to see that because that's exactly what the Cubs need right now.
2: And on, on the flip side of that, so Quintana seems to be on his way back pretty soon here where are you guys at on queue I mean obviously the Cubs have done really well so far at this point with Alec Mills being in the rotation and you know that things have been stabilized a bit there but where are you guys at on queue is it one of those things where you're just like <laughs> well here we go again like is this is this where like we kind of revert back to the to the Cubs teams of the past two years or um, do you think he, he'll he'll help this starting rotation uh exponentially or where do you guys stand on Jose Quintana right now
0: so, so Ryan actually had a really interesting take on him last year, about him using his change up. Um, I don't know. Did you, I mean, I think <laughs> it's kind of out now, like it's not, it hasn't gone very well, but Ryan, did you want to talk about that? Uh,
3: yeah, I, I think uh, he performs much better when he throws his change up more frequently. It's one of his better pitches and he used it a lot early on in his socks career, I believe, but in the year last year or so, before leaving the Sox and then early with the Cubs, he didn't really throw it as much. And I remember he started to throw it more last year, um, and it didn't go all that well, but um, that they were talking about it early in spring training uh, before all the pandemic mess, um, that they were talking about he was working on that changeup and was planning to throw it more often. Uh, Then, you know, obviously the pandemic, then he cut his finger, so we haven't seen that. Uh, But I'm interested. I do think that he can be successful if he can mix his pitches a little better. Uh, but okay. when he gets to basically just fastball, curveball, and, you know, especially when he's not locating his curveball, guys just sit on the fastball. Um, yeah. So that that was the main problem with him last year. We saw, you know, just constantly getting lit up by teams like the Brewers, just, you know, spitting on every single breaking pitch and just waiting on 91, 92 mile an hour fastballs.
1: Yeah. And that's the thing with Q when he was the White Sox, he was using that curveball and change up to set up the his out pitch with the White Sox was a high fastball. He used to strike mm-hmm. most of the guys out with that type of, a, you know, it was mid 90s of velocity. So mm-hmm. you have to have something that is, you know, getting those guys off of that with some type of mile per hour difference. So yeah, I'm a big time Q guy. I'm a Q apologist. So I think <laughs> that Q coming back Tyler Chatwood having the injury problems. Alec Mills' last start wasn't the greatest, but you know he's pitched overall pretty well. I think it's going to solidify that starting rotation and then set up a bullpen where you're not having to use guys like De- Dwayne Underwood too much. Um, you don't have to depend on um, anything from Kirk Kimball, even though his stuff is filthy. I don't know what happened to him in the third battery he's facing. You could see the talent. You could see the 90-plus mile per hour fastball and the curveball and slider moving you know, horizontally and going away from pitch, uh, hitters' bats, but I think there's something mentally wrong with him. So Q coming back can only solidify that starting rotation and make your bullpen much better.
3: Yeah, uh, and you know, I, I agree with what Sean said. We've talked about this a couple times on Locked on Cubs. I think... Uh, Chatwood coming off the injury makes more sense to go to the bullpen than anybody else, and that even if you start Q in the bullpen and maybe transition him to the rotation, that's probably the smarter thing. I think among those two and Alec Mills, Chatwood has the highest potential as a reliever, especially this year where he's looked so good and in command of his pitches, which was his major problem in 2018 and sometimes in 2019. Uh, But we also saw in 2019 in the bullpen he could ramp his fastball up to a hundred. So yeah. you know, I think of the Chatwood we saw in the rotation early this year coming back as a, you know, maybe 35 to 45 pitch reliever, guy who can go an inning and two thirds or two innings, uh, but could hit a hundred with that that kind of command. That's a, a very dominating reliever. So I think it will Q getting back could help in that way, in that it's possible they could give the Cubs a really solid reliever with Chatwood.
1: Are there any issues this year or this week with David Ross and how he manages I think throughout this season he's been strong and I'm not I'm not a guy who thinks managers really matter in wins and losses but whatever he's done in the clubhouse and gotten the team energized on the in the dugout I think he's done a phenomenal job do you guys have any gripes about his moves this weekend or any during the season
0: no, I honestly, we've, we've both been pretty on board with a lot of his moves, especially the way he handles Kimberl Like uh, we're so glad he's just real quick to recognize, like, even after that, the two, like you said, dominates two for his first two batters and then just can't locate after that. I'm glad he had the quick hook. Like a lot of those things are, are exactly what Joe Madden just didn't quite do well at leading kind of letting a guy like Craig Kimbrough fight through those moments instead of saying like, Hey, let's get him out. Let's get someone in and so those quick decisions that have really been kind of on point but i don't know ryan was there anything that stuck out for you
3: um i think i see more complaining about ross uh, and like little individual moves pinch hitting with yeah. this guy instead of that guy i i think it's just a factor of winning and losing um that you complain more about the manager when you lose than early on when he looked like a genius because they were winning uh so yeah um i i think overall it's been a net positive kind of what sean said is that we uh, appreciate ross's sort of quick hook uh with certain guys and uh you know like we saw with kimbrell today you know he he looks so great against those first two batters and then he still had good stuff and there were a couple pitches where he just missed or you know maybe he didn't like who he was pitching to uh and then he he get you know the next two guys get on base and you know ross comes out and gets him whereas joe probably lets him go another batter or two um yeah so that's been That's been the major difference is that I think the old school player friendly was that you had guys like Joe Madden or Dusty Baker who really stick with those veterans even when they struggle. And the kind of new school player friendly is being able to explain to those guys, you know, I know what's best in this situation and it's better for you if I get you out and let you work through it rather than keep throwing you out there in the ninth inning to get bombed
2: you know more those on the major changes front you know a guy that i really enjoy watching and who is in the mvp conversation for the national league is ian happ and he had a quiet weekend this weekend but you know, you talk about a guy that's been through all of it, you know, coming up uh, in the middle of expectations of 2017 and getting sent down. And we we all know everything that happened along, you know, with those trials and tribulations there and sort of dealing with all the things that a young baseball player goes through, you know, you know, seeing the, the you know, the heaven and the hell of Major League lifestyle. <laughs> but so what has been the biggest change for him this year that's turned him into such a force uh, at the top of the Cubs lineup?
3: I would say the biggest thing that I'm noticing since he uh, came back or shortly after he came back to the big league team last year and since then uh, has he's not swinging and missing at the extremely high fastball nearly as much. Uh, He's laying off those pitches. Um, Other than that, I'm not as qualified to dig down and into all the other details. That's just the one like major thing that I noticed. Sean, is there anything else you've noticed that's been different specifically?
0: I've seen a lot more pitches. Um, Ian had felt like he was trying to pick out, like, the pitch he wanted early on in counts because guys weren't really – he was at the lower end of the lineup sometimes. So, like, it would feel like he would roll over on pitches or, like Ryan said, he was just never touching the high fastball. And that was kind of his, his kryptonite, so to speak. So, like, seeing him see more pitches, be able to go the other way with power from the left side and still hitting from the right side really well this year too, it just feels like he's locked in. And it, it, I don't know if he's just got a better – I don't know, understanding of the strike zone, more comfortable in the box. But um, just seeing him, I mean, I, I think I, he's hit at least three or four opposite field home runs right now. So, I mean, like, he's just seemed locked in at the plate. Obviously, this weekend was rough. He struck out a little bit more than you we've seen him do so far this year. But he's still seeing a lot of pitches. He's still taking his walks. And he's a lot faster than I think people give him credit for, too, on the bases. And He turns a lot of would-be singles to doubles. It goes first to third a lot, first to home. So, he just does a lot of little things too and I think that helps too.
2: Hey guys, uh good luck with Casey Mize tomorrow.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: I mean, just, just as a just base- my day. <laughs> as a baseball fan perspective, like you know, he he obviously pitched against the White Sox and Dane Dunning's debut last week. But right. one of the comps that I had for him, I told Herb when we were watching, I was like, "This guy reminds me a lot of Garrett Cole. He's got he's got the high fastball going. He's got the tight breaking ball, and he just aesthetically, he sort of looks like him out there on the mound. He's got the same type of presence. But you guys are <laughs> uh, are in for a treat. So you may not feel that way like during the game, but I hope, <laughs> but I hope you, I hope you take a, a second to check him out because after only one start, obviously, but he he he's good. <laughs> I can break that news here exclusively <laughs> yeah. on the Lockdown Cubs podcast. Casey Mize equals. Good good the former number one pick overall but yeah uh yeah, have you guys seen any casey mize yet before heading into tomorrow's game
0: uh i've seen some pitch ninja uh gifts from his start against dwayne dunning and yeah i like immediately started to look today's and i was like oh the cubs are gonna see him <laughs> <laughs> i was like we're gonna we're gonna get eaten alive. We always seem to do really bad against rookies in their first starts or super soft toffs okay. like Okay, this is like
2: guys. something that all baseball fans I think feel the same way about their team. This is not something exclusive <laughs> to Sox fans. Yeah. Like, every team seems to think that way and that's one of the things we'd like to bridge the gap here with the with the Cubs and Sox. It's it's also <laughs> Cubs people who feel the same way about the Cubs, so it's not just a Sox thing. Where you you're, fa- Wait, you're facing a guy making their debut and all of a sudden you can't hit him. It's that's not yeah. uncommon among baseball.
3: Huh, maybe yeah, maybe I never thought about it. That way, that that's something that everybody goes through. Is uh, uh, soft tossing less lefties are just like kryptonite for everybody, I yeah. guess. <laughs>
0: No, it's just the Cubs. It's really just a okay. scene. Uh,
3: <laughs> if I if I ever have to see Gio Gonzalez or uh, or Mo- Wade Miley ever again, or Doug Davis, somebody reanimated the corpse of Doug Davis. Well, that's I'd like our our upset. Bruce Chen
2: for us. That Bruce Chen was that guy, you know, for several <laughs> yeah. years. You know, and I'm sure you can make, Sai Chen. Sai Chen. Sorry, I, I called him out of his out of his name, but yeah, <laughs> That's not something unique to you guys. But yeah, Casey Mize tomorrow. You try to try to put the uh, the Cubs interest aside and just take a look at him. Him. And knowing this, he'll go out and get rocked, but uh, he's making his home debut for the
3: Tigers tomorrow, so it should be fun to watch. Yeah, and uh, too bad for him that his home debut doesn't have any fans there. Um, <laughs> but speaking of guys who made debuts, a, a little off topic, but uh, uh, Sixto Sanchez, there was uh, the pitching ninja had a gif of him. I don't know if you guys saw it, but that was the most wicked movement on a 100 mile pitch I've ever seen. It was like a 100 mile an hour slider. I'm
1: going to check it out right now because, yeah, Yeah. I mean, what today was featuring, I mean, getting a little bit back to what um, you Darvish did on the mom, man, I mean, I was showing my girlfriend they, you know, they have the strikeout box there and then the ball's going right at the edge of the strikeout box and yeah, then man. there's and then it just takes a left turn into the left-handed hitter's batter's box and I'm like that's not fair. I mean, what the hell? He was throwing some hangers earlier in the game and the White Sox weren't doing anything with them. Then at the end of the game, whereas at the end of his start, he kind of got better, which is weird to me, how a pitcher gets more precise and more deadly at the end of the game. I was so happy when he left the game because, man, that, <laughs> that thing is – he's – he's dumb good he's just really really good and i'm looking at the six
3: toe thing and wow
2: yeah 91 mile per hour changeup. okay cool <laughs> and then, oh,
3: you got, you got the tumbling going yeah the, that 100 mile an hour fastball moves like nothing i've seen i mean that's just insane movement for something moving that fast but
0: darvish has been incredibly impressive and i know even just like in the second half alone i think he only walked seven guys and that was coming from a guy who coming into even before he became a cub you were super worried about his control with tommy john surgery and he's just found something i don't know what it is exactly last year we talked about him getting more comfortable as a cub and just kind of settling in he's got his guy victor carantini catching him now and it just feels like he's so comfortable to go out there and just like try a knuckle curve for once and just add to your repertoire like a splitter that goes 91 miles an hour, like it's, it's nuts. He's just so talented. And for someone to be able to go up there on the mound and feel that comfortable throw nine pitches, all it does is get guys thinking. And then he starts hitting you with his cutter, his fastball, his two seam. And then he breaks that, those breaking balls out, whether it be the slider, the, the curveball, he's just got so much and it just gets guys thinking. And when that happens, it's a lot harder to catch up to a 97 mile an hour fastball. And it, he's just, Dealing in a way that we haven't seen a guy do in a really long time. So it's been fun.
3: Yeah. uh, One thing that I would say is it almost feels like Darvish is playing 3D chess uh, when everyone else is just playing chess. Uh, and, And really that that's a bigger testament to the Cubs entire rotation. Really, if you think about a guy like Alec Mills and then Kyle Hendricks, Darvish and Lester, those are all really smart pitchers. I mean, they don't have all have the best stuff. Uh, or or the, you know, biggest fastball, but those guys are all really intelligent. That's how they get by. Uh, I think Darvish is right up there with Hendricks on just being a smart pitcher. Like, you know, Sean said, he throws basically nine pitches uh, and he, you know, he messes with his stuff. You know, he'll throw something that he hasn't thrown in weeks uh, that's just slightly different, you know, and he... It's just crazy to watch him pitch. He's just so smart. He's also hilarious on Twitter, but, you know, (laughs) it's it's the baseball uh, we like. Exactly, (laughs) yeah. yeah. It's it's a great Twitter follow.
2: Any any time an athlete claps back at David Kaplan on Twitter, I'm here for it uh, (laughs) 24-7. So I I enjoy you, Darvish, as well. Uh, Just looking at fan graphs, um, the the projected percentage to make the playoffs, uh, Cubs sitting at 96%. To make the playoffs right now, White Sox are at ninety six point six. So I'm just you know looking at the two teams. You know, when I think of the White Sox, and you know I, I would never dare the you know, the baseball gods and spit in their face and try to line up the White Sox playoff rotation and, and get too much into that because you know we're, we'll just be happy to be there. I think initially, but I think the whites <laughs> the White Sox. I think one thing they can do as good as anyone is they can obviously mash and they can hit good pitching and now this this late resurgence of, of the power coming back, I, I think that's going to do them well in the postseason. So you feel pretty good about that and their offense going in to a short series. But as far as their weakness, I, I would say the bullpen. And maybe not right now, but uh, we, Herb and I talk about this all the time. This you know What was once a strength going into the year with the starting rotation, now after Kopech opting out and the injuries they've suffered, it's turning into a weakness, but a slow weakness. Like This is like a slow leak, and I think – you know, over the next you know few weeks, this thing could get you know, exposed really badly. You know, if, if if Ronaldo Lopez doesn't come back and be consistent and and you know kind of just shore up that rotation a little bit, so I think the bullpen is their Achilles heel. Looking at the Cubs, what do you think is something they do just as good or if not better than anyone that they've seen in the playoffs? And what's the uh, the Achilles heel for the Cubs that you you would think going into a, a series?
3: I would say that their Achilles heel is probably. Uh, their bullpen, and most teams probably think that, right? I mean, uh, the bullpens around baseball in general haven't been great. Um, so, yeah, I, I would say that's that's the biggest thing is they have a couple guys who either have a history of being great or, you know, in like Jeremy Jeffress has been great, uh, Rowan Wick, you know, has the stuff to be great. So you have, like, maybe three or four guys right now that you feel okay about, but beyond that, if you in a playoff series, you need to use four or five pitchers out of the bullpen in one game, you're probably giving up a bunch of runs. So uh, I think if if the Cubs make the playoffs, the thing that's going to derail them will probably be their bullpen.
0: Yeah, uh, the, their bullpen's rough. I, I think the other thing for the Cubs, too, is while they see a lot of pitches, I know it's been shown the Cubs are seeing, I think it's like close to four and a half pitches per advance right now, and that's great. They don't have a lot of contact hitters, and when you're in the postseason, you've got guys that are coming at you more so just because those games mean a lot more. Those guys know it's, you know, short leash, you're going at it for a little bit. Postseason games, you, you need your contact hitters, especially if you're going to have patient hitters. The Cubs don't really have a ton of contact hitters. They've, like, just been, over the last couple of years, literally the worst national, or the team of the National League in contact, so – Lacking guys like the Ben Zobris that they've had for a while, or even like Albert Amora technically a contact hitter, but like doesn't ever, ever elevate a baseball. So lacking those guys in the lineup, especially in the postseason, it's kind of been either like hot or cold Cubs offense. They either have to hit a lot of home runs or they're kind of just poking runs through and, not having that contact is rough, especially in the postseason. Well, obviously, this weekend, uh, you guys got the better half of the Cubs-Sox series. Uh, obviously, taking two or three from the White Sox or from the Cubs. Geez. Um, but coming into the series, what were your guys' expectations of the Cubs? And what are you thinking now? Who, who, who is that better team? Because obviously, the Cubs have that better record. But the Sox are hotter than anyone right now.
1: You know, coming into the series, we said it that, well, at least I said it, that I thought the Cubs were – the real litmus test for the White Sox. It would be the first time they really played a strong team other than the Minnesota Twins. You know, Cleveland's good, but, you know, I don't seem them, think them as a strong team. Um, They have great pitching, but their hitters are just woeful for right now. So I was like, this is a litmus test. If we can get one out of three versus a really good team on the road, I'll be very satisfied with what the White Sox do, especially if they play clean baseball and they just lose, like today's game was, you can't be mad at the White Sox necessarily. They got bet bested by a better pitcher. After, I'm thinking it's a a draw because we don't have what we don't have that you Darvish. And if we went up in a, like a theoretical game, a best of seven series where you gets to pitch game one, four, and seven, we got good pitchers, and you guys saw Dallas Keuchel. Pretty dominant yeah. on Friday. Decent, uh, decent outing. does really good. He's not Hugh yeah. Darvish. He can shut the Cubs down for a little bit, but he can get hit hit up a, a little bit. But it seems like you Darvish on a different level. So I'll say even because our offense is so dominant. But if he got a guy like you going three out of the seven, it's going to be tough to beat him. Uh, One of those games, let alone a couple of those games, so you don't have to face them for that third time. So I would say the Cubs and Sox right now or even after this weekend, I definitely thought they were better before we started playing.
2: Yeah, and we pegged the Sox. As I think I mentioned it earlier. We we thought they were gonna definitely lose two out of three. I thought we, we, we called it just like you mentioned it about the Lester thing and the regression coming with, with him pretty rapidly. You know, I, I still have faith in him over the long term and the big picture that he can sort of you know not be as good as he's been early on here in 2020, but sort of just stabilize a little bit. I don't think he'll be as bad as he was the other night. But you know, I, I I would tend to agree with Herb that that's kind of a draw situation. You know, obviously the Cubs got off to that really hot start. And no one can sustain that type of pace, so I don't think they're as good as they were during that start. But that's still the, the beauty of you know building up a, a big lead like that, and you know padding padding your your wins in that fashion. You can kind of sort of have some lulls here, but I think with. The schedule the Cubs have coming up here with Detroit, I think they should handle them pretty easily. They should still be able to eke out the next game uh, against Casey Mize. You know, they, they still have the better talent, I think, uh, except Jamer Candelario is a White Sox killer. So that's another layer that maybe you guys would, would find extra frustrating. But this, <laughs> for us, he's like this guy, they have no scouting report on Jamer Candelario. This is the
1: weird <laughs> thing about Cubs. They fight. They had to face Eloy and then Cease. Now, this week, it's Jamer Candelario and Paredes, both former Cub prospects. So, that is a weird uh, thing to for the Cubs. And, I mean, they all worked out. They won the World Series, went to the playoffs for four years straight. But, you know, they got all their great players who were prospects spread around this league. And now they got to see them.
2: <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, in short, I think the Cubs will be okay. You know, that... What I saw out of, this, out of the bullpen this weekend, it was, I felt more encouraged afterwards than I did going in. If if you're a Cubs fan, because you know Jeffress, who I was very high on when they signed him, like I, I can't believe the Brewers just let him go, and then when the Cubs snatched him up, I was like, I, I love that move right there. And you kind of saw that today. Um, he a little rocky at the end, but he was in there for a long time you know, after cleaning up after. Uh, Craig Kimbrell, but I, I think you know the the bullpen will stabilize, and I think the Cubs will be okay in in the long term. They they've got the bats, they've got. You know the the new manager bump, which that's the one thing that I worry about. Is like, was is that going to start to wear off now? Now that you sort of get into the rhythm of the baseball season, does you know you're starting to see it a little bit now? You know, it's not playing as as crisp and not giving the timely hits as they were in the first couple weeks. But as I said again, you know it's hard to sustain that type of play. But you know, as far as the White Sox, you have to be thrilled with with the outcome for them because, as Herb said, it was this this was very much a barometer for them. They had beaten up on some bad things, which in itself for Sox fans was a win because that's the the first step, really, of a, of a team on their way up. It's like, do you handle the teams that are worse than you? And so far, they've done that. And, you know, in, in terms of this series this weekend, I mean, it was just it was playoff intensity. Like today, that was a hell of a game there, even though the Sox lost. But I was standing up in the ninth inning at home watching it. And, you know, at first I said, I don't know if I have the heart anymore to watch uh, playoff baseball. I don't even know if I wanted after going through the rebuild and now seeing what it's like playing baseball of consequence. You know, it's it was been a minute. It's, it's, been, a it's, it's been a while. It's been since 2000. <laughs> for us. So I was like uh, out for a while. I was, I was like uh, after the twin series opening weekend, I was like, this is too high leverage for me. I don't. I'm not built for this. But then after this weekend, I was like, yeah, more of that, please. Like I, that was just fun all the way around. And and I think the Sox are in good shape. And as long as they beat, you know, they've got a soft spot in the schedule here with the Pirates and and more Tigers and Royals coming up before the, seeing the uh, the the uh, Twins again. But yeah, you have to be thrilled if you're a Sox fan. And you know, I, I don't think it was anything, you know. With the Cubs, that I would look at them differently, but uh, it certainly surprised me that that they uh, at Saturday's game with Hendricks, you know, oh, yeah. and you know Luis Robert coming back and looking like he was at full strength, altered beast oh. mode, you know, once again, that was surprising to me. But yeah, as you know, I, I think the Cubs are in good shape here the rest of the way if they can stay healthy and you know uh, if Baez – Baez is a big part of this man, he's he's got to go back to being Javi, and then all of a sudden this team is real dangerous. They're uh, going forward to the playoffs.
3: Now, I have to add this full disclosure. I, I grew up in central Illinois where uh, probably 70% of baseball fans are Cardinals fans and white Sox are a very small percentage here. And I, I grew up a Cubs fan, obviously, but um, being able to get the Cubs and Sox broadcasts, I watched a lot of Sox games and I really only root against the Sox when they're playing the Cubs. Uh, yeah. So the, I got to get that out there. I absolutely love this white Sox team and I think they are the better team right now. Uh, and, Further, I think that especially with signing Dallas Keichel and with a lot of the way the roster has changed for the Sox coming into this year, they remind me so much of the 2015 Cubs. Uh, Dallas Keichel is essentially your John Lester signing uh, that legitimizes uh, what they're doing with the roster as these guys kind of arrive in the big leagues. And the Cubs are, you know, already had their Anthony Rizzo like the Sox already have Jose Abreu. Who's been the kind of veteran of this team now, uh, but you've got, you know, Eloy Jimenez, uh, Yon Mankata, all these other guys. Tim Anderson, who's you know still only 27. All these offensive players coming in and really putting up numbers. I think that this team is you know basically at the beginning of its window. And you know, if I have to be honest with myself, it looks like maybe they'll even be able to have a better window than the Cubs.
1: I mean, yeah, they, they've they done what the Cubs didn't do was signing their players. Well, Rick Hahn's kind of good at that, signing they their young to. players. They have to. The White Sox
2: have to yeah. the yeah. way they operate. That's It's imperative right. to what they do, but it's certainly now – you know looking forward it's, it seems to be a luxury they have now you know so it could have bitten them and the, it still could bite them you know but it certainly doesn't seem that way with Luis Robert and Eloy Jimenez. Not Luis we
0: Robert to, you know. looks good man that home run he hit I think that was the loudest clank I've ever heard off of a <laughs> bleacher and Wrigley I was like wow that was a straight missile. <laughs> yeah we, 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 we,
2: we had a text thread going me Herb and our buddy Brendan McCaffrey were all Sox fans and we're just like that moment where you're like I can't believe this guy's on our team yeah, you know like right? it's one of those guys we don't <laughs> We haven't had many of those guys in our lifetime, but Luis Robert is a dude. <laughs> and
1: this hurts a little bit to say. I mean, it doesn't hurt, actually. It's like when we watch Fernando Tatis Jr., is like, man, he is really good. And then you yeah. look at your own team, you're like, we kind of got that same kind of t- talent on our team, too. So don't feel too bad. I mean, yeah, we gave him away for garbage, but still, it's good to see a guy of that caliber just Hitting like the bottom of his talent. He'll, he's still got some, some climbing. Right. Dude. And to compare it to the 2015 Cubs and then the subsequent 2016 Cubs. We're just looking for our John Lackey, because we didn't come here looking for a haircut. we
2: (laughs) (laughs) got a long memory. came to get it on. Fair expectations? I mean, I think we're trying to win the World Series. I didn't come here for a haircut, you know what I mean? We're we're, we're trying to get it on. I came here for jewelry.
3: Came to win games and eat homeless people.
2: (laughs) <laughs> we're all out of homeless people
3: <laughs> yeah i i really love i really love what the Sox are doing and yeah they're not only are they really good i think they're a lot of fun to watch and you know it, yeah. it reminds me like i said so much of the cubs uh when they first were calling up those young guys i just hope that for the Sox, uh they able they're able to continue develop um and you know not that winning the world series is ever bad or that anyone should ever not be happy about the way they did it, but having done it so early in these guys' careers, I think it, it's made it harder for them to learn how to deal with not being the best team, not not thinking you can just flip that switch. So that would be my only concern with all these young guys coming up with the Sox is having such early success and then not being able to figure out how to replicate it.
2: I'd be that'd be a great problem to have because you look at the, yeah. <laughs> at the at the at the Atlanta Braves. Like I know it sucks if you're a Cubs fan watching them and you see all the talent. Because every year, you know, I pick the Cubs. Like, oh, that's they're going straight to the World Series. It's the Chicago Cubs Invitational, but they always seem to come up a little short. And I think there is something to what you said there about experiencing success too early. But you look at the Atlanta Braves, and there there's no guarantees in this in this game, man. So like, if if you can get one, I think that that's that's a win right there, you know. But, but ultimately, what the Cubs have done. Is able to you know have division title after division title and and, right. and be have sustained success and sometimes you know because of variance you don't always get you know the, the the championship we're looking for but ultimately it's about building that foundation and that's really all I think Sox fans want is to is sustained success year after year and a reason to come out to the ballpark and boost that attendance up a little bit, boost the revenue, so all of a sudden you become a destination for top-tier free agents. So I think that's what we want most of all. Obviously, you want to win a World Series, but I, I think they, they need to build a foundation that will last for you know uh, at least 10 years, hopefully.
1: And what we as White Sox fans got to remember, we've been to the playoffs only nine damn times in our history, nine times, five since we've been born. So going to the playoffs <laughs> is a thing. Like, yeah, winning the World Series is the goal. But that's hard as hell. And winning repeated Uh, World Series, a team hasn't done that since 2000, and that's the Yankees went three-peat. So it's really hard. So I want White Sox to not temper their expectations, but understand that making the playoffs, like the Cubs made, what, four years in a row, that's mm -hmm. a thing. That's a good thing to look forward to. And it might be, as Cub fans, disappointing in the moment, but – Having that sustained success to put yourself in the tournament to win is a thing. And, yeah, you're coming to come up short, and being in three LCSs is nothing to, sne- to sneeze at. But if the White Sox get half of what the Cubs had in that thing, I would be happy, myself, for yeah. Lawrence, because winning a World Series is great, and then being in the World Series is great, and being in LCSs is, is Fantastic.
2: Well, you don't even have to go back. I, you know, I use the Atlanta Braves reference, but look at the Dodgers. It looks. I think the Dodgers are finally going to get what's theirs this year in a short season, and you know, and yeah. they, it would be much deserved on their end. But you look at what they've done over the past ten That's years, like- and they and they haven't gotten their World Series yet. So it goes <laughs> to show you how cruel this game can be. So yeah, I guess to, to everyone's point there. Yeah, we would just be thrilled with one, but just ultimately just being there year after year, I think would be it would be a good start for the White Sox.
0: Yeah. Last uh, last question I have for you guys. Are the White Sox, uh, are they a playoff team? Yes. Are they getting in the Central?
1: Yes, they are. I think eventually they're going to overtake the Cleveland Indians because somehow they can't hit, even with Francisco <laughs> Lindor and all the talent. The guys, when the White Sox play them, and um, what's his name, uh? It's super cool.
2: Oh, Carlos Santana.
1: That son of a bitch. Oh, smooth. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> okay,
2: cool. Yeah, it's smooth, not cool, Herb. I don't know this. I'm a, I'm a old fogey, but yes,
1: he gets hits all the damn time. He walks all the damn time. Yep. Santana gets hits and. Somehow they are just low on their OPS right now, but their pitching staff—they're even doing it without those two idiots. Yeah,
2: they're like, hey, two <laughs> two fifths of our rotation. Like, yeah, we're considering not even having them in a rotation anymore, and we're still going to go out there and win at a, at a pretty good <laughs> clip. Like, it's absurd. And the guy they had out there last night for them—good lord! Like, it's—they just you know they have a farm of, of, of these starting pitchers that come up and just yes, contribute man. immediately. And then
1: Karen Check coming out of the bullpen—he's filthy. Oh yeah, he's the whole the thing. Worst pers- <laughs> the worst person—the person in their bullpen is their closer Brad Hand. He's terrible, Brad hand I yeah mean, now he's terrible he used to be great
2: yeah I, I think you know it's aaron bummer is a big part of this if the socks can get aaron bummer back healthy you know you saw that play out in, in saturday night's game where all of a sudden you had the top of the cubs order and you're like man it would be great to have our 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 shutdown guy to bridge to, uh, to get to A and also a guy who can shut down lefties, but Aaron Bummer is just I mean, we miss Aaron Bummer so much because I don't know how much you can how long you can sustain the Evan Marshall high leverage guy thing. But yeah I, yeah, I think the Sox are if if they get healthy and that's a big part of it. Is I'm so worried about that bullpen and if they get Aaron Bummer back, that's big because then all of a sudden you can start bridging these starts a little bit better and hopefully the offense can keep it up and and the the, the starting rotation doesn't have to have you know high stress innings and night after night and you know so yeah I, I think they are because you know you look at them versus Cleveland you know I, I would I'm, I mind that number two spot I don't think they're quite as good as the twins but in a short series mm-hmm. who knows what can happen but as far as I, I think they are better than the Indians because of the offense and, and the late resurgence of the power is, is such a big thing going into this so yeah I, I think they are.
0: Yeah, I think Ryan yeah. and I both agree on that. <laughs> we we, we yeah. both think they're – I think we picked them as two teams. They're a team that would probably get that second spot or a team that would be in the wild card chase before they announced that too. They just – the talent alone was enough to probably put them ahead of the majority of those teams, and then we just didn't know what Cleveland was going to put out. And great pitching, but they made the Cubs – pitching look really really good i'm um, a lot better than i think they are but,
2: but it goes to show you yeah. though how fragile this thing is too because a week ago after that cardinals doubleheader we were ready to tear this thing down to the studs damn and-
1: right <laughs> <laughs> i like, think some bitches came back and beat the bricks off of us for two damn games yeah so you know i don't
2: i don't know what you guys make of the whole cardinals thing and how that affects uh, the, the cubs going forward but yeah just that you know it the whole thing is odd i don't know how they would ever be able to sustain with playing all those games like to make up you have know, a the end of the season I don't know if they to go off winning percentage but that Cardinals thing like is that in the back of your guys mind like here they are in second place behind the Cubs only because of percentage points like is this a team that you guys are gonna
3: to have to worry about yeah it, it worries me just a little bit because they did win the division last year so uh, yeah I don't I don't think they're necessarily as good of a team this year and they're also you know missing time for guys like Carlos Martinez and who's supposed to be a, a you know, part of the rotation Miles Michaelis is out so they have some issues uh, going on especially with their rotation but they're still you know a pretty good team uh, so yeah it may it worries me that you're gonna have something where they they haven't declared one way or another definitively how they're going to determine a division winner if a team plays less games and there is a scenario where if the Cardinals play like five games less than the Cubs, they could, you know, finish with a higher winning percentage by essentially percentage points. And, you know, how do you determine who's the winner then? And that kind of seems like a nightmare scenario for the Cubs is, you know, having to watch the Cardinals take the division basically because they got COVID-19 and had to miss two weeks of play. Uh, That seems like, like it would be just a really odd way to end a season like this.
0: And I'm, yeah, I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, you're good. Uh, I was just going to say, I mean, that I see 58 games on their schedule right now. I don't know how they get to 60. Um, so that's would be very the Cardinals would be the team that finds a way to beat the Cubs and only put 58 games. That just seems to be the <laughs> way it goes sometimes against that team. But yeah, it's going to be definitely a factor.
1: Yeah. And this I can understand why Cub fans hate the Cardinals and their fans. I am not a fan. <laughs> I'm not a fan of the whole culture down there. Uh, I'm good. St. Louis is boring. Chris (laughs) Bryant was right. Um, I mean, yeah. It's very sanctimonious. Yeah. Enjoy your toasted ravioli, whatever you have down there in your custard. Delicious, but also boring. And the fans think they're, yeah, like you said, sanctimonious. Come on, calm down. I hope the Cubs win that. The teams that I, I don't mind, I don't mind the Cincinnati Reds. And I chose them for yeah. this year's, uh, yeah. NL central because I thought they had the best pitching staff, which they do. They're good. I mean, Trevor Bauer is showing that he should be paid a lot in this off season, yeah, but man. their offense, except for Nicholas Castellanos, what's going down? I mean, <laughs> this is a, this is a, a problem that they're uh, struggling the way they did. So, uh, just wanted to put that in there.
3: Yeah. I really like the reds and I thought they were going to be the division winner this year. Um, so, yeah, that, that's kind of surprised me that they're not playing well, especially because even uh, even when they didn't play well against other teams last year, they still looked like a possible contender against the Cubs uh, pretty much all year And their rotation with uh, Sonny Gray, Trevor Bauer, Luis Castillo. Uh, those guys all looked really good against the Cubs at different times. So you kind of expect that they're going to eventually go on a run here. So I don't know if they're going to, but – um, this division looked on paper a lot more competitive between the top four teams than it has been so far. Anyway, uh, with the Cardinals missing so much time, the Brewers, you know, not playing all that well, same for the Reds. So yeah, it's been weird. Yeah. I kind of expect a run at some point from the Reds. Yeah. This,
0: it, we like, it, it feels like baseball has been going on for a while, but we, we forget it's only a month into the season really. And like this could totally change in just a couple weeks. And I, I think we're all kind of expecting every other team to kind of, Catch up with the Cubs a little bit here in these next few weeks. So hopefully they can get some distance now and just kind of fight them off till the end because they're they're going to be there. The Reds, the Cardinals, probably the Brewers too. They'll, they'll find a way to make it tough. That's all I had for you guys. That's all I got for you guys
1: too. It was a good conversation having locked on Cubs talking to locked on Sox. you see, we can live in the same city. And get along. We have a civil conversation with the the folks across the, uh, the across the river. I guess what's the what's the <laughs> what's the, the dividing line? State Street, Madison. Is Madison, Madison is, is the dividing Madison line. Yeah. Is yeah. Madison. I think my car yeah. starts breaking down when I go north of it. It's weird. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we don't know anything about that, man. That's weird. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> I should get that checked out. But yeah, we could have a civil conversation with you guys because it's a good time when we have great baseball, like we had this weekend. I know it was a little right. bit better on our side than yours, but we got three more left at guaranteed rate to end the regular season. So, hopefully by that time... Hopefully both
2: teams have clinched something. Exactly. I'm, I'm not ready yeah. for that. I don't want no part of that. It's the,
1: Absolutely <laughs> not, no. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I, I definitely I, wouldn't want anything of, like, a Cubs have to beat the Cardinals, as you were saying, yeah. for the division, or the White Sox. Well, I think the White Sox are so clear of the Eighth or ninth place team in the AL, so they're fine. But the White Sox, you know, trying to get into the first or second slot, so they don't have to face the first or second team uh, in the whole AL, would be better for them. And that time, we'll be just relaxed, and everybody will be like, "Okay, we're cool. We already got a playoff spot set, and these games are just going to be for fun. We're just going to throw our bums out there for getting ready for the playoffs." Yeah, yeah man, th- we'll be talking playoff lineups. Oh, that's so great. <laughs> yeah, we'll- I
3: think the only thing that the only thing that could be worse than Uh, both teams trying to get a playoff spot in that series would be one team vying for a playoff spot, but the other team being eliminated. That would be just absolutely impossible to stand. I I don't live in Chicago, but I assume it would be uh, extremely difficult for White Sox fans if they were trying to finally grab a playoff spot and, you know a, a, an eliminated cubs team came in and swept them <laughs>
0: oh god, god ryan Jesus I, I
3: think something would have gone incredibly wrong for one of the
2: two teams to be out of it i think at that point so yeah, that's, that's yeah true. you know so yeah but hopefully we, let's do it again huh after that series or maybe sometime in between yeah let's definitely have this uh crosstown uh conversation once again i had fun guys
0: Yeah, definitely.
2: Yeah, man, that was fun. I enjoyed talking to the Lockdown Cubs guys. You know, you know, we we debunked some baseball myths there. Whether you know, it's funny. You know, you hear baseball fans talk about their team and ultimately you know we're, we're all the same baseball people you know we all bleed red and we all have you know have the same you know misnomers and the same you know perceptions about our teams and you know so that, that was fun it was productive it was healthy you know no one had to have a beer uh, poured on them and uh, you know it was good times man looking forward to talking to them again
1: good guys yeah and they uh, know their stuff over there and follow them locked on cubs over there and also give them an individual follow Ryan Davis and Sean Sears. So yeah, it was enjoyable to talk to somebody else. We've spoken to Chris Castellani of locked on Tigers, now locked on Cubs. I don't probably want to speak to Locked On Twins because I hate them. I hate the Locked On Royals. They're They're probably nice. They're probably the best guys of all time. Minnesota nice, yeah. Yeah, and the (laughs) Indian guys are probably bad. I shouldn't say Indian guys. It sounds like I'm saying Native Americans. But the Locked On Cleveland Indian person is probably a good guy, but F him too or her. So, yeah, it's good to talk to some like-minded folks that uh, I don't mind, actually, their teams. What I was just talking about with the two guys from the carp. For the Cubs, the Cards can go to hell. F them. I don't like them at all. I don't like the the baseball. St. Louis is kind of terrible, except for the delicious Lions choice. It's my choice (laughs) for... For uh, roast beef sandwiches in the St. Louis area. Yeah, and
2: very cheap ice cream as well. Start your morning with the news that matters in just 10 minutes. Axios Today host Nyla Boodoo and a team of award-winning journalists will bring you the latest analysis and insight into the trends shaping our world. All right, so Mailbag Monday coming up tomorrow. If you guys want to get in touch with us and reach out for the next week's Mailbag uh, how can they do of
1: that herbie locked on socks at gmail.com that is locked on socks at gmail.com questions comments whatever you want to talk about we have a lot for tomorrow's episode not just baseball questions they're v- varied in what their topics are so send it over to us locked on socks at gmail.com and follow the show at locked on socks on Instagram and on Twitter Chris tannehill is at, at Chris Tannehill. I am at Akron Wall 23 So, for Chris Tannehill, I am Herb Lawrence. Thank you for listening to this special episode of Locked on Cubs on Locked on Socks.